Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast on today's episode. First, we're starting with the college football playoff in the NCAA Bowl games on January 1st of the new year. Talking about the backlash players are getting for deciding to play or not playing and, you know, how that's impacted their draft stock. Also, we got to get to the NFL. Week 17 is over. Our pitcher bet has been decided. And there was a lot of drama for the first games in 2022. First and foremost, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, they proved us wrong. They're ready. They're here. It's year one for them, and they're in the playoffs. Second, got to talk about Antonio Brown going topless in New York MetLife Stadium and the Tampa Bay Bucks luck seeming to fall apart for them right before our eyes. Then, the Cowboys lose another big game, making them 0-4 against playoff teams right now in the NFL. Cooper Cup is officially carrying Matt Stafford. Yes, not the other way around. And then the greatest debate of our time over the past 20 years, Rodgers versus Brady. It's still going on. They're the best two players in football. Who deserves the MVP? Run the music. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Guest. With me on this January 3rd, 2022, Happy New Year, Matt Morris. What's up, dude? What is going on, everybody? Yes, we have uh, broken into the new year. It feels good. Uh, I am through another New Year's Eve of bartending, and thankful I have uh, 362 days left until I have to do that again. But uh, (laughs) we're just dealing with, you know, more drama out here in Vegas. We got another Raider that got arrested. Shocker. Yeah, man, just just a good old Vegas, you know. And obviously, those of you that uh, heard about the situation know the drama is continuing to unfold on Twitter and ESPN. We'll see if this ever stops. Yeah, I mean, our show is named after alcohol. Like the pitcher bet <laughs> is named after beer, right? Like I'm drinking a beer while we record right now. We literally bet a pitcher that I owe you now, and we're going to talk about it on this episode. So we're not like against drinking or alcohol, but I think. Everyone is against drinking and driving, getting behind the wheel, especially blacked out, no matter how much money or how little money you have. And this was the big thing for the NFL committing to Vegas was they didn't want to have these issues. Matt and I talked about it before we got on the mic. They've had four incidents, including Henry Bruggs this year, which is more than an incident, let's be honest, happen in one calendar season. This is an issue. It's not because of the players. It's not because of the city. It's just the combination of youth and money, right? Like, I think if you put yourself in any of these players' shoes and you are one of those people like us, Matt, like we used to be when we were fucking 22, 23 living together, like we made bad mistakes on minimum wage. If we lived in Vegas, had free entrance to all the clubs, the nightclubs and, you know, VIP rooms and the pool parties, all the bullshit out there, strip clubs, like probably make a couple bad mistakes. I feel bad for these kids on the Raiders, but you don't even blame the kids, right? Well, and and this is the thing. I think about professionalism and I think about what um, you know, leadership and fear puts into equations. I have a job where fear and uh, the the worry of loss of that job, of that, you know, income source is kind of carried over our head with a carrot. 
And it keeps all of us on a straight and narrow line, right? Like not that we wouldn't be without because we're a little bit older and we're more mature and we're professional. But I even look at myself at say 20, 21, 22 and think to myself, okay, if I have a great opportunity in front of me, if I have a huge paycheck in front of me and my leadership is saying, listen, I will take that from you at any moment if you fuck up, any moment. Not only will I take it from you, I'll make sure that you never, ever have an opportunity to make the money that you should. That's what I said to you off the air. I would threaten day one to these players every single year so that the message is clear. If you make this mistake, you're not playing for us ever again. We are going to trade you and we're going to trade you to somewhere so shitty, you're never going to meet the full potential of your career and ultimately build a foundation for you know t- teammates and employees that are going to follow the rules and keep themselves out of trouble. Because yeah, there's a lot of sin in this city, right? It's the goddamn nickname of Vegas. But when there's temptation, you've got to find a way to mitigate that as leadership. And I think that organization is just absolutely piss poor. I put that on uh, Mike Mayock. I put that on Gruden when he was there. I put that on the new guy. They've got to really find a foundation of rules. Yeah, you're making the league look bad. You're making NFL players in general look like the people we all think they are. Meatheads, dumbasses, Mm -hmm. selfish, right? So bad look for the Raiders. Um, Glad no one got hurt here. And hopefully it's a learning experience, but I think that's something that's going to come um, this offseason and next year for the Raiders. So we'll see, dude. Speaking of leadership, though, we've got to talk about the NCAA. Um, we're more of an NFL podcast here when we talk about sports, football, basketball, baseball, um, but we stick to pros, but obviously you got to talk about college, right? We had the um, New Year's Day six bowls, I think, or what they call it, and the college football playoff, which I tweeted it out. It was a dud, you know, like just be thankful for the college football playoff, right? It is really cool, but at the end of the day, those games are usually blowouts and they were again this year. Uh, Cincinnati held on at the beginning against Bama. Couldn't score touchdowns, cost them. Uh, Alabama rolled. Georgia really embarrassed Michigan. It was a terrible game. Um, Michigan had no business being there, sadly. Um, they got their ass kicked. And it's it sucks to see because they had such a great season and they were outmatched, literally, for four straight quarters. So that game was a dud. Alabama, Georgia going to be the national championship. But to be honest, that's not really what we want to talk about here. We want to talk about the growing concern and honestly, the hatred towards these kids for playing or not playing. So many kids opted out for a team like Ohio State because they're going to go first round, second round in the NFL draft, didn't want to risk getting injured. Then you had kids like Matt Crowell go out and play, gets injured, carted off, but he ends up being okay. I don't think it's going to be a significant long-term injury. But Matt, I want to let you kick this off. What do you think about this criticism both ways for these kids? And you know, should they be able to make this decision and not get judged for it? Well, there's a lot to this. You know, I was a college football fan back in my early youth when Miami, Texas, USC were predominant powerhouses. I remember four or five, six years old listening to that Miami game yeah. um, when they played. I think it was Oklahoma. And I think they lost. But back then, it was a different game. You know, like the kids played in these bowl games because your draft stock was still up in the air, right? Right. Like 
yeah, maybe you're a first, second rounder, but you could elevate yourself maybe 10 slots. The world has changed. Coming out of high school, these kids are already slotted in as, okay, this kid's going to be a first-round talent, five-star recruit. He's left tackle, right? right? Uh is a good example of that for the Vikings this past week. We saw him play. But it's a different game. The kids are scouted. They're bigger. They're faster. They're more NFL-ready right out of the gate. And I think if I'm, say, Jamar Chase or I'm Carroll, I'm making the decision. Absolutely. As soon as I'm locked in, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> right. And no, no joke. Four or five games into the season, if they're talking about me as the number one quarterback on the board, thanks for, thanks for the opportunity, you know, Old Miss. Thanks for the opportunity, LSU. I'm good. I'm not going to go out there and risk $20 million over my five-year rookie career with a possible $100 million paycheck after that to, what, play five or six more games where I could tear an ACL, where I could have a back injury, DK Metcalf, where I could have a severe neck injury, right? Like, and then DK is a good example too, because he wasn't first round talent, right? They didn't expect him to be what he is, but these kids that are top 10, why are you playing? What are you doing? <laughs> there, there's absolutely no point. Very few people still love college football like they used to. Now, I know that's a very big comment, but the South is huge. They love it. Texas is huge. But if you really think about it, the Northeast, right? The Midwest loves the Big Ten, but the West Coast, like people just don't care as much anymore yeah. because all we really care about is the NFL and all these kids care about is getting to the NFL. So I think what um, our boy on ESPN said, and you'll talk about that in a minute, I think here, I think the point of not loving football is wrong. I think the point of not loving college football is what he should have said because who gives a shit when $30 million is at the end of the rainbow? Yeah, and you're talking about Kirk Herbstreet, right, for ESPN. And obviously he has interest and financial interest in these kids playing because ESPN basically hosts every single bowl game. I think Fox has maybe one or two, but it's all on ESPN, right? All these games are. So he's saying that out of a financial implications too. But on top of that, like, Kirk, you really think these kids don't love football? Like, that's got to be the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. These kids are doing everything for football. They love football Mm -hmm. so much that they're sitting out because they (laughs) want to make sure and ensure they'll be okay. And the NCAA isn't punishing these kids for it. And neither is the NFL, nor should they. And on the flip side, dude, like Corral wants to play, right? Good. That's awesome. Like, don't put him above Kenny Pickett and say he's so much better of a person. It's a personal choice at this point, right? Like, Corral was pretty much going to be projected a pretty solid quarterback this year. Kenny Pickett came out of nowhere. Everyone liked him. No one thought he might he might be the number one guy off the board. You know, we're going to dive into it here in the next couple months when football's over. But he might be the number one guy off the board. And with that being said, he said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. The backup quarterback goes out first quarterback quarter. Excuse me. Like this stuff happens, dude. And I'm glad you brought up Miami because things are different and were different back in the day. And 19 years ago, Miami played Ohio state in one of the best national championship games ever controversial. The, uh, this was, you know, all about the U days, but Ohio state had the pass interference. That was clearly a bad call. Um, they ended up winning the game, but in that game, on top of all the talent Miami had, their best player that year was Willis McGahee. And they had Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow. Their team was great. Willis McGahee had the worst knee injury I've ever seen on TV. Go back and watch it. It's disgusting. It's not for the faint of heart. And yeah, Willis still played a solid NFL career, but he was never the same after that bowl game. And that was 19 years ago. 
you can go through every single bowl season, every single year on New Year's Day or these New Year's Six bowls where a big player goes out and gets hurt. So with that being said, this isn't like a fluke thing that happens every once in a while. It's happening every single season. So for you to go out there and judge a kid on making a business decision for his life in his profession is bullshit and then to call them out and tell them they don't love football like the guys did in the in the 90s 2000s late 80s is just bullshit so i want to mention a name here too because the mcgahee injury is absolutely spot on i watched that happen and i almost cried as a little it was kid disgusting. I, I loved I him lo- he was I amazing. Love I think any kid that watched Miami knew McGahey was going to be the next Jonathan Taylor, the next you know, Ladanian Thomas. Right. And McGahey was special. And it was it was devastating. But the point I want to bring up with McGahey is the fact that there weren't huge power conferences back in the day either, right? The good teams around the US were kind of spread around. It was Miami, sure. it was Ohio State, you know, it was USC, it was Texas. They weren't battling out these massive conferences. So playing in a bowl game was your opportunity to say, hey, I can do it against the elite competition. Right. I, I am good enough to go from the 27th overall first round to possibly 10 because I just put up huge numbers against a number five defense, sure, right? Sure, sure. Totally different world. Alabama's playing big-time competition. They've already played Georgia this year. Like, What more do you have to prove sure. when you've already shown that talent on the big stage? Next name I want to bring up is Marshawn Lattimore, South Carolina, supposed to be a top-tier first-round running back. Right, same, almost the same injury McGahee had. I think it was the yep. third or fourth game of the year. Blew out his knee. Same, same hit. Right, knee j- jerks backwards. Everything is torn. I think he ends up getting taken fourth or fifth round by San Francisco. Never ever becomes what he was supposed to be. Kind of gets cut after a year. Totally or two forgot about him, spot. honestly. Until you just brought him up. Absolutely. Literally. My my point of saying, hey, once I'm first round projected, I'm out. Right. I'm done. Lattimore is my absolute like in the ground rock case here because you're going into the season. He was an all American. What do you, what more do you have to do? Right? Like I just think some of these kids, now that the, the league is different, now that college is different, if you've got the projection, if you know, you're going to make your money, get out of there, get out of South Carolina, right? Get out of old miss. It's over. <laughs> Who gives a shit? So I think college football is going to have a lot of work to do. A, there's no there's no discipline you can give these kids. You can't find them because you're not paying them. You know, you can't garnish their education because they don't give a shit. They're about to go make thirty million dollars. Who cares? The NFL is not going to punish them because they want the talent. So I, I think they're stuck in this really, really, really hard bind. And honestly, I said this this week at work. I'm not going to be surprised in the next two, three, five years if if the NCAA allows first year draft eligibility because. <sighs> At this point, the product's already ruined. Yeah, I don't know about that. They might, maybe second year, because they do three years right now. Maybe drop it one year, maybe. But at the end of the day, right, just look at the last two drafts. So you have Tua has a devastating injury, still gets picked third overall, right? Has a devastating injury. He had a bad injury in college. There was a lot of questions coming out about him. You have guys like Todd Gurley, same deal, right? ACL still gets picked pretty high in the draft. And then on the other side, you have guys like Justin Herbert, played a whole season, won the World's Bowl, literally jumped his stock up to whatever he got picked by the Chargers, 6 7. And then this year, you had Penny Swell and uh, Jamar Chase, notable top five picks that decided to sit out for the season and not a big deal. So my point is Kirk Herbstreit 
that was bullshit. That was uncalled for. And second, let them do what they want to do because even though they don't say it, they have someone, an agent, telling them, hey, you're top five no matter what. You do with that with you what what you want, you know? Play if yep. you want to play. Don't play if you don't want to play. And you know what? If the fucking third string guy is upset at you on your team, fuck him. Well, the last thing I'm going to mention, and I'll keep this short. This is something we're going to have to address down the road in a different podcast. But returning to school, Matt Liner, Jake Locker, both guys that were projected top end first round picks, both fell. Locker ended up going to Tennessee, never made out of himself what he should, a Washington quarterback. And then you you had Leinert, who was supposed to go one or two, comes back to USC. So this is a big thing to look at too, right? What your agent's telling you and what your heart's telling you. If you've got that money, if it's guaranteed, not only from your agent's mouth, but the media's mouth, right? And NFL scouts are saying, hey, you're the guy. What are you doing coming back to school? I know <laughs> school sure. pride's important, but go make that money. Go take that opportunity. Next up here on the pod, we've got our pitcher bet recap from last week. For those of you first time tuning into the podcast, we do a pitcher bet. Like I said, when we, in the open, we drink beers. Matt's waving his pitcher at the camera for all those who see this on our Instagram and our TikTok. Uh, but anyway, so we bet all 16 games against the spread. Me, Matt Guest, the host here. I uh, This was my worst week of the season. I thought I was ready to go. Picked five games that I recommended you guys to bet on. And I apologize. One and four. This was easily, by far, my worst week. And I'll wear that. It happens to the best of us. We're human. Got cocky. I'm back at the drawing board. I'm already studying the lines for this last week of the season. So it happens. Morris, on the other hand, had a good week. Went eight and eight, 500. Um, so you won the pitcher bet. So on the season now, I am nine, five and, t- oh, excuse me, nine, five and three. So you're right there, man. Um, we talked about it last time. You're going to have to win for the rest of the season in order to, catch me so still a lot of time left um you know a couple favorites that i felt really good about fell asleep and happens to the best of us eight and eight i know you're not satisfied with it either yeah i mean i picked uh my my picks of the week were the eagles the rams and the packers the rams had a bad 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 game we're gonna talk about that a little bit here uh just rough we did not i don't think anyone could have expected that kind of performance against the ravens especially a banged up team like the ravens uh packers god what a game you know without kirk cousins that that vikings (laughs) team is really bad um and then the eagles man i expected i said it i said blowout i said walk off the field blowout didn't happen you had fans falling into the tunnel dude uh it was quite a sight but the eagles were able to pull it out um very happy there two out of three on the weekend picks and last kind of takeaway here chiefs are pretenders on defense i'm gonna straight out say it we thought the yeah, chiefs defense fucked. was the ones yep. kind of carrying that team i will tell you they have not played a quality quarterback in a while maybe herbert is is one of those guys but they missed out on rogers because he was out with covid they played the cowboys and god we know who they are now and ultimately burrow and chase put up huge numbers against the chiefs team so come playoff time man i think the chiefs could be upset yeah um, we got roasted pretty good on TikTok for that one from our clip from last time. Rightfully but, so, right? But that's what we said. We're like, hey, we don't think they can play against a good defense. Um, I'm not going to take the credit away from them now. And it's a good transition into the first takeaway of the weekend was Burrow and Chase. That was the duo. That was, they proved all of us wrong. All of us all offseason were saying they need that O-lineman. They need that O-lineman. They need to protect Joe Burrow. And they still do, but... <laughs> Look at the connection. It's undeniable. 
two 200 yard games, including 266, three touchdowns in a division clinching game. Year two for Burrow, year one for Chase. Chase breaks Justin Jefferson's rookie record for most receiving yards in a season on the same amount of games Jefferson had. So, no asterisks there. An unbelievable feat. I haven't seen a receiver takeover like that since Moss, honestly. That was an unbelievable performance, burning dudes, juking guys, 11 for 266, three touchdowns, and a happy, happy fantasy owner if you have them. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Bengals deserve credit. Not only are they a dominant duo, possibly a top three wide receiver, quarterback tandem already, but they proved all of us here on podcasts and in the media wrong, saying they should look to protect. They took the best player in the draft. Absolutely, man. And I think you can, we're going to talk about that come draft season, but a lot of teams missed out on that opportunity to just take the best player available. You know, we wanted him to take Penne, right? That was the pick. He was, yep. he was the all pro future left tackle. You take him, you protect Joe Burrow. Well, I'll tell you this, it's not the same team with Penne and not having Chase out there. It doesn't matter because Higgins isn't that much less valuable, right? Uh, Tyler Boyd is that much less Boyd, valuable. Yeah, man. And ultimately, Chase was the better wide receiver with Jefferson there. I remember Chase in that with Burrow at LSU. The reason he sat out was because he was saying, hey, I'm already the best receiver. My boys right. go into the draft. He goes out. He performs with the Vikings. Chase has got to be just sitting there counting his money because he's saying, hey, I was better on film. I was the number one option. You know, all of the things. And we're starting to see that Chase, hey, he is he is the better wide receiver. Sure. Both incredible talents. I wouldn't be surprised over the next five years to say they're maybe one, two in the league. But Burrow and his ability to mature, his ability to trust Chase against professional defenses was yep. impressive to me. It's a very big difference than playing in college football where DBs aren't nearly as good, where sure. schemes aren't nearly as good. What I will say, they've definitely proved us wrong this week. My take was absolutely abysmal. <laughs> I am going to put a lot of this, too, on the Chiefs. What were they doing? Yeah. You know, you're getting walked up and down the field. The Chiefs are going to run into trouble in the playoffs. As I just said, I'm interested to see can Burrow and Chase continue this against sure. good defenses in the playoffs. And I need to see how the playoff tree all works out. But I want a rematch of this game in the playoffs because that will be, again, another shootout. And Burrow might just put himself, you know, in that Patrick Mahomes, you know, upper echelon if he can take out Mahomes in the playoffs. For sure. That would be something special, you know. For sure. I mean, and I think Burrow's going to be that guy. I think he'll be top five in the next two or three years. I think it'll be that quick for him. I think if they keep up this pace, he stays healthy. He's right there. They're dominant. It's non-deniable. Um, they have a great offense. And if you pull up the stats, Burrow's right there with everyone. I think he's third in MVP this year, easily. I would have looked a lot better had I not flipped on my take from two weeks ago. For the <laughs> listeners, I was going to go out on a limb and say Burrow is a top five quarterback right now. And then I said... Hey, Matt, he just played third <laughs> third string scrubs fresh out of the, you know, bagging aisle at uh, Smith's. Um, and I, 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 this is what we saw against the Ravens. This right. is what we saw about the Chiefs. Like when you play bad teams and you do this, that's why Herbert was talking about ascension to top five, right? But Burrow, if you can continue this, I'm, I'm just happy, man. The injury coming back from it, all of it around. Good for the Bengals. Good for both those guys. Yeah, I mean, Burrow's a hard guy to root against. He's fucking badass, dude. The scar, the swag. <laughs> he, he's just, he's an easy guy to root for. A guy who's not very easy to root for and that we've tried and tried and tried again, Antonio Brown. 
Um, comes out today, once again, January 3rd, Monday, Ian Rapport comes out on Good Morning Football saying, Antonio Brown's camp said, Brown said to Bruce Arians and the coaching staff, I don't feel good enough to play. I feel too hurt. And they basically told him to kick rocks. You're cut. You're off the team right there on the sideline. Obviously, what you saw yesterday that transpired was Brown's shirts off. He's running through the end zone. And you're sitting here like, who's telling the truth, right? I'm in the camp that neither side is telling the truth. Even if that's what happened, Antonio's in the wrong you don't show up a team. You don't show up your people that have supported you. You don't show up Brady like that because you're not even in the league without Brady. Let's be honest, you know, put some respect on Brady and what he's done for you. Let him live with his family, train with him, vouch for you. And that's how you're going to go out because people are so easy to say, I fucking told you so. And the whole story is not going to come out till after the season. But I don't know if I feel bad for Antonio We'll assume there's something going wrong going wrong upstairs in his head. But at the end of the day, you don't act like that. You're selfish. And you all the people that backed you up, you just made look like an asshole. So it's a very tricky situation. I I was thoroughly entertained as someone that <laughs> no, has quit many, many, many jobs. I was like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> I have never taken my shirt off, completely shown bare skin. And I find that very, move. very surprising. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, man, That's I was crazy. just smiling when I saw this shit. And the level of disrespect an individual feels from their authoritative figures really is what causes this emotional reaction. It's an emotional reaction. He was upset. He was pissed off. He wanted to be heard, right? That's what it comes down to. And we'll never probably know the truth. The, the sides will never come together and say, here's the honest take. But um, honestly, I'm not going to dive too deep into your take. I'm going to have my own take here. I don't think his NFL career is over. I think he showed throughout a couple of games this season, he is still close to an elite wide receiver, an elite option, right? He may not be the old Antonio Brown, but he can still go for eight, nine, 10 catches a game and put up 100, 130 yards. He's still got the legs. He's still got the ability. And I think if there's an NFL team that's going to really take away what Bruce Arians said and believe Antonio Brown, and they're a, they're a bad team, they may, they may sign the kid. But my concern is what you said, it is the mental health. Um, I think back on most of my life and think about, you know, emotionally reactive situations, usually you're not in the best emotional state to start with. And we know that about Antonio Brown, but he was disrespectful to his teammates. And that's just something you can't walk back. But he did the same shit without taking his shirt off in Pittsburgh. This is, you know, this is the same guy four years later. You disrespect him. He causes trouble. So Antonio Brown is a huge loss for the Buccaneers. But at the end of the day, their luck is running out. You said it in this in the pre-clip to our episode today. They don't have many guys left. It is now Gronk and Evans. Losing Antonio Brown, in my opinion, just knocked them out of Super Bowl contention. Yeah, and we'll speak on Brady's dominance and legendary status here coming up. But um, yeah, really sad situation, unique, one of a kind. You'll never see a motherfucker running around the back of the end zone, shirtless in an NFL game, quitting his job ever again. So remember legend. That one. He's a legend, dude. <laughs> Next topic, we had the Dallas Cowboys host, Kyler Murray, and the Arizona Cardinals end up losing the game by three points. Zerline misses a field goal early. A lot of controversy controversy at the end of the game because there was kind of a fumble with Ed Edmonds for the Cardinals, but the Cowboys didn't have any challenges left. 
um, you know, Cowboys fans complaining about the refs, but end of the day, they scored seven points in three quarters. That's not how you're going to win the game. Fourth time this year that they played a team that is currently in the playoffs. I know we have one more week left. They're own four. If you want to throw the Chargers in there, they're one and four. Okay. Still, they haven't really beat any contenders this year. And now it's extremely alarming. Dak isn't making plays and the defense can only do so much. And look at the Chargers. They allowed Houston to put up an absurd amount of money on them, or excuse me, an absurd money, amount money, of points money, on money. them. Yeah. And money, I guess. But this is Dallas, right? And I, I think sure. to the point of the Chiefs' defense being pretenders, so is Dallas's, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, Parsons is great, and obviously you've got Diggs out there. But Their D-line's the end of the- elite. Everything else is suspect. And Parsons Every, yeah. obviously is great, and they're gonna they're gonna have trouble first round of the playoffs. Mm. And Kyler Murray right now put on a good show against <clears> them. I think right now the playoff tree has them playing against the Cardinals again. They play, they're gonna play the winner of the NFC, or excuse me, the loser of the NFC West. So they're playing the Rams or the Cardinals. Rams or the Cardinals. Um, we'll obviously get an NFL preview uh, next week this time. Well, and another thing, and maybe the last thing I want to mention because I've been beating this horse for a few weeks with the Cowboys being uh, pretenders, but. At the end of the day, stop complaining about the penalties. Stop complaining about the lack of calls. This is two, three, four weeks in a row now. Go and do your goddamn job. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, go and put 100 yards oh, yeah. up, right? Dak Prescott, start hitting these elite wide receivers. Amari Cooper, stop complaining about not getting targets when you do get the ball. You're not putting up an efforted fight to continue to gain yardage. Like Every skill position player that I see in the Cowboys that were elite coming into the season are underperforming and letting me down. Right. This is going to get you bounced in the first round of the playoffs, and I will say it right now, I guarantee they lose. I don't care if they play the goddamn Cleveland Browns in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> Cowboy fans, you're done. Move on to next season. <laughs> um. Yeah, dude, I mean... They're choking. It, it, they're doing what we thought mm-hmm. they would, what I thought they would do all season. They just didn't play good enough good teams. So we'll see. Yep. Huge loss for them. Their guy who is probably the most consistent when healthy, Mike Gallup, uh, tore his ACL on a touchdown play. Unbelievable effort in athletic play by him, but bummer. And that's going to cost them. So we'll see going into the playoffs. Another player that's going to cost his team is fucking Matt Stafford, dude. I've been kind of beating the drum since the offseason when everyone's like, Stafford's going to make the Rams elite. And obviously he's better than golf. Like that's not an argument. No one's really saying that, but this dude's a liability 15 interceptions on the season. Now I think he has seven in his last three games. And on top of that, he's leading the league in pick sixes through his fourth on the weekend. And just for reference, Aaron Rodgers has thrown four all season. Matt Stafford is going to blow it for the Rams unless they play through Cooper Cup. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I've been pretty hypercritical about Cup all season, not saying he's not a good player, but just making sure that people really understand his role in the offense. But now I know what it is, and it's been solidified. He carries the team. If Cup isn't going, if Stafford can't find Cup, the Rams are dead on offense. I don't give a fuck if they have OBJ. I don't care about their running game, which has improved. If he can't find Cup nine times, it's over. He's throwing it to the defense. Stafford is a liability. We've been saying this all year, though, right? Stafford's had good games. He's had MVP performance levels of streaks with week after week. But at the end of the day, Matt Stafford has been hurt since before the Green Bay game. Sure. And Matt Stafford played most of his career in Detroit partially hurt. What is Matt Stafford? What did we say he was coming into the year? We said he's an injury liability because he's always been that. And now that he's playing through these injuries and he's utilizing Cooper Cup as this safety blanket, as this, this duct tape over the issue with what his body can do, we're starting to see that.
And ultimately, we said it before, I will say it again, they spend too much money on elite level players. That offensive line is not nearly good enough to hold up Matt Stafford. That running game is not leaned on enough to continue to carry Matthew Stafford. The Rams are going to have a lot of trouble over the next few years if they commit to Matthew Stafford because at some point you're going to lose Cup to a two, three-week injury just like they lost him before the Green Bay game last year. And if you lose Cooper Cup up, all of a sudden you're looking at two, three, four losses. So yep. I think the Rams, much like the Cowboys, have a lot of issues going into the playoffs. Unlike some of the other teams like the 49ers or the Packers, who are coming in with an identity. And when you have guys like Stafford who are throwing the ball to the defender for seven points, it's a huge problem. Huge problem. And we said it coming into the season. It's not that we don't like Stafford. It's not that we're rooting for him to get injured, but he gets hurt every year. And then hurt. people attack us online. Oh, well, he's playing this many games and he fights through it. He's not, um, you know, someone like Dak and this and that who misses his game. But like, yo, he's hurt every fucking season. And he's not going to be 100% in January. Here we are. Well, and it's a back issue from what we heard going into that Green Bay game. When you have a back issue... You're going you're gonna to continue to have issues. You're going to get hit and sacked and thrown down. That back issue is going to be aggravated every single week. It, it's just one of those things as an NFL quarterback, as a, as a man or a woman, you have back injuries. You have trouble throughout the rest of your life. Talk about being an NFL quarterback. So I, I am concerned about Stafford's health and his performance. Okay, last topic of the podcast today is going over the two legends of the league, two legends in the game right now, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, the best two players in football right now. Just to give you some stats, Matt, Tom Brady is about to pass for 5,000 yards at 44 years old, and then no spring chicken. Aaron Rodgers is going to have 35 touchdowns, four interceptions, and probably a half a football in Detroit this year, uh, this next week. Excuse me. He has a 0.8 interception ratio. He has the best passer rating in all of football, and he's only a little over 1,000 yards behind Brady on way less passing attempts. Aaron Rodgers' passing attempts this year is sitting all the way down. Um, at 13th in the league at 513, Brady's at 682, and Rodgers is literally just under a thousand less than him yards. And what he's gonna do this year 35 touchdowns, four interceptions, best passer rating, best freaking record in the league is monumental. Once again, Stafford, four pick sixes, Rodgers has four interceptions on the season, and Brady is gonna lead the league in completions touchdowns and yards this year both the two oldest geezers outside of ben roethlisberger and in my opinion still the two best players in the league and it's not even close yeah man and i don't think the debate here is who is better who deserves mvp more you and i both agree on this it's rogers my take on this is I think what we're starting to see now in the national media, whether it be NFL commentators, NFL beat writers, you know, Pat McAfee show, you know, whoever it might be, is the torch is being passed to Rodgers. You talked about the comparison in numbers there. Rodgers is efficient, but at the same time, he leads his team to victories. And with all the drama that Rodgers has kind of unloaded onto the media about possibly wanting to leave Green Bay, he is in the news 
weekly, right? Brady has been the golden boy for 20 years, but sure. I think what we're starting to see is the NFL truly accept Rodgers as the best player and the guy that has the most opportunity to assert his dominance over not only this season, the next few seasons. We've seen it from Green Bay with Matt LaFleur. Three straight seasons of 13 wins. That's Rodgers, right? Brady had a great season last year. He had a great season this year. We're starting to see some of his weapons fall off. That team is going to be a little bit less enjoyable to watch, less entertaining. And honestly, Brady's really going to have to show some of that dominance because they're going to need him to really play well in the playoffs to kind of make up for some of these issues. On the flip side of that, Rodgers has Alan Lazard, MVS, tight ends out. You got two great (laughs) running backs, but you've got only one Hall of Fame player that you're throwing the ball to, and Rodgers is still the most entertaining player in the game. I think that torch is being passed. I expect Rodgers to be kind of the poster child for the NFL this season, next season, possibly the the season after that. Rodgers is absolutely captivating, and I think it comes too because his his personal presence in the media has changed dramatically over the 14, 15 years he's been a starter for Green Bay. He's finally enjoyable and likable, and I think that definitely goes into the uh, the basket that has carried him to the top. Yep, and it's just like the NBA. We wanted Kobe LeBron so bad. Wanted it so mm-hmm. bad. You wanted these two behind me, Kobe and Jordan, so bad. And those just things you got to relish and love. So, yeah, shout out to Rodgers and Brady, two best players in the league at their age. Unbelievable. Okay, everyone, that's the pod. We'll be back Thursday. We'll have all of our picks last week of the NFL season, and then we're going to dive right into the NFL playoff preview. And the NBA is back. The season is back. Clay Thompson is back. So we'll be talking NBA coming next week. We're back in diving into the association. Um, Hot takes, great takes. I've given Matt homework, so we'll be back with that. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, and uh, TikTok at PitcherBetPod. And as always, like, subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Leave us a review on Apple. Cheers. Later.